Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Before we read the Scripture, shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your holy written Word, knowing that we can trust our lives to its provisions. As an act of our will, we will be attentive. We will not be distracted. Our hearts are receptive. Our minds are open. Thank you for enlarging our capacity to receive revelation knowledge in all things that pertain to life and godliness. I personally thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth of your word and demonstration of the spirit of power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God is moving by His Spirit. He is searching the heart. He is trying the reins. He wants to determine whose heart attitudes, motives, and desires are upright before Him. Why? Because it's the pure in heart that will see God move in their midst. It is the pure in heart who will have demonstrated the power and the glory of God in their midst. He is a powerful, strong, and mighty God whose desire it is to move and show Himself strong and demonstrate Himself powerful and mighty in the midst of His people. That is His longing desire. It has always been and will always continue to be. For the work of God cannot be done by the power nor the strength of man. Not through oratorical skills, not through natural talents nor abilities. It cannot be done by the strength of man. If the work of God is to be done, it will be done by the power of the Spirit of God. No matter how you look at it, people of God, when the church compromises, when the church rests in complacency, the church becomes a house of religious form denying the power of the living God. Whenever people seek God with a whole heart, with pure motives, pure heart attitudes and desires, then once again the power and the glory of God is in manifestation to fulfill the program of God. And God is saying at this hour right now that He is preparing the hearts of many by His Spirit to be a productive member in the body of Christ to bring forth the manifestation of His power and His glory to cause revival to take place throughout the land. And He is searching the hearts he is trying the reins to determine whose hearts are upright so he can show himself strong and powerful and mighty in the midst. We said the effect of this, of course, would be as follows. 
it would have an effect upon the sleeping church. Those who are satisfied with what they have in God. They need awakened. They need aroused. Whenever you find yourself satisfied with what you have in God, it's time to wake up. Why? Because there's so much more to have. There's so much more to have, people of God. There is so much more of God that we can have. Jesus demonstrated two facts in his life upon this earth worthy of our attention. He demonstrated, first of all, the capacity for a man to receive God in spirit, soul, and body. That's number one. Look at Jesus. And you know to what degree a man can receive God. The man, Jesus Christ, was the expression of the glory of God. And that's the second fact. He demonstrated the second fact, that is the capacity and the ability for a man to reveal God. He was so full of God that everywhere he went, he revealed God. And you'll notice that those who walk close by his side with him, those who were filled with God after the day of Pentecost, those people once again do the same thing. They demonstrate to us these two facts. How much a human being has the capacity to receive God within themselves. Jesus came to give us life and abundance, an abundance of the life of God evidenced inside a human being. And secondly, after they were filled with Him, they demonstrated just to what capacity and by what degree a man can reveal God. Everywhere they went, you look at the disciples, the apostles, and you find that everywhere they went, people took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They saw the same marks upon their lives that they saw in His life. They saw the power and the glory of a living God in demonstration through their lives. People, whenever we find ourselves complacent and satisfied with what we have, there is a condition in the heart that needs to be dealt with. There is something wrong when we don't hunger and thirst and, and have a yearning, longing desire to have more God evidenced within our individual lives and also within our lives as a collective body of Christ. Something is desperately wrong with us. We said the first thing that would be needed to promote the work of God among us in this place to arouse the sleeping church to preserve the work of God to draw in the heathen people the non-believer those who are without would be desire remember we said that? desire desire is heart hunger and when the people of God have lost the heart, hunger, and thirst 
for reality with the living God in demonstration of His glory and power, there is a condition inside the heart that needs to be dealt with because it should not be that way. Something is wrong. The heart attitude, the heart motivation, the heart desire is severely lacking. Seriously lacking in experience with God. Look at the scripture right above, verse 6, chapter 5, Matthew. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. First thing we need, or that is needed, to promote this mighty revival, this mighty working of God that He so long desires to have in manifestation among His people is a desire or a spiritual heart, hunger, longing, yearning after God and His righteousness where God's people are not satisfied. They have a longing, desire, and a yearning within their heart to experience reality with a living God so that they can experience the righteousness of God what is righteousness? It is rightness. It is being placed in right standing with God in every department of our being. They hunger and thirst after rightness with God in spirit, after rightness with God in soul, after rightness with God in body, after rightness with God in business endeavors after rightness with God in the home, in the church, in the family life, after rightness with God in all the affairs of life. They have a longing, yearning desire to experience the reality of this righteousness with God. And so there is a yearning. And so there is a heart hunger, a longing desire for this to be realized. It's not something that we just want. Or we would like to have happen. We'd like to see that person healed. We'd like to see that mindset free. We'd like to see that person saved or delivered from the powers of darkness. No, it's not something that we would like to have happen. It would be nice for it to happen. People of God, our hearts begin to cry out unto God. There is a true soul and spirit hunger after righteousness with God to bring people into a place of harmony with God in spirit in soul and in body. It is our yearning and longing desire of the heart. We cannot stand for anything less. We will not be satisfied with anything less. We want it. We desire for it to be evidenced among us. It is a hunger and a thirst that is not satisfied until it is satisfied in God. That's what he's talking about. That's what is being said. That's what Jesus is saying here. It is the yearning of the heart to experience our divine potential in God. Have you ever been there? You know you can have more. You know that body can be healed. You know that mind can be delivered. You know that financial need can be met. And we put forth a little bit of effort and energy so that it can be met, so that it can happen. But you know what? When it doesn't happen, it didn't matter all that much anyhow. It would have been nice if it happened. But since it didn't happen, well, what are you going to do? That's a condition 
of the heart that needs to be dealt with. Beloved, there's a twofold effect when that happens. In some cases, people's hearts become hardened. And you know what? It doesn't matter to them what happens then. If they ever see the power and the glory of God, they'll settle back down into the ways of man and be content in their lifestyle, be complacent where they're at in the world with dependency upon the world's ways and the bridges that man has, man has built over the troubled waters of human life. They'll be satisfied with that. But on the other hand, there'll still be those, even though they didn't experience it, even though it didn't happen, it doesn't have that hardening effect upon their lives. You know what it has in their lives? It causes a hunger to rise up deep within their spirit. It causes a thirst to rise up deep within their hearts, within their souls. It causes them to cry out unto God from within, saying, I know that I know that I know that I know that it's your will. And I know that there are forces that are preventing your will from being done. I know that there is a mighty deliverance to be had in this thing, Father God. And I will not rest. I will not be satisfied. I will not give up. I must be satisfied with your power and your righteousness being demonstrated among us, within us, and through us, accomplishing the purpose of your will in this matter. And the heart begins to cry out to God. The heart is not satisfied. It begins to long for reality with God. It will not hold back. It seeks with the whole heart. It searches diligently with the whole heart because of this thing called spiritual hunger or desire from within. And it doesn't back off. Have you ever read the scriptures that pertain to prayer? In Mark eleven twenty four, where it says, What things soever you... What? See, desire doesn't mean to take or leave. Like to have it happen. No. Did you ever read the one in 1 John chapter 5? So that if we know that he... This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petition we desired of him. We desired. You ever notice that? Delight yourself in Psalms 37, 4, in the Lord, and He will give you the, desire, the, the, the yearning, the longing of your heart that is hungry, that is thirsty, that is searching, that is seeking. He'll give you the desire of the heart. See, that's what desire is. It's not something we can take or leave. It is something that we know that belongs to us. Something we know that God said He would do. Something we know that God says we can have. And we will not rest until it is realized among us. We will not quit. We will not back off. That's where diligence comes in. Desire always leads us into diligence, which is persevering application of ourselves, applying ourselves in every part of our being to realize the promise of God. It's not I'd like to be healed from this thing that I have in my body. It's I long for the reality of the living God manifesting itself in my physical body so that the rightness of God is accomplished in my life. 
It is not that I'd like to be delivered from this mental torment and this oppression of the mind. It is I have a yearning, a longing uh, after God, a heart hunger and thirst that will not be quenched or satisfied, will not be satisfied until I experience the power of God's delivering hand upon my mental faculties to release me and set me free from that bondage. That's what it is. Whatever you desire when you pray, whatever your heart is hungry for when you pray, believe you receive it, you will have it. You want revival? Careful study shows that Christians everywhere, everywhere upon the earth, Christians everywhere, at the time when the Azusa Street Revival broke out, were praying diligently, desiring a revival of God. We talked about the effects of the results of the Azusa Street Revival. We talked about how the power of God so fell upon that that household over there at 214 North Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles, California. We talked about how it was so power-packed, so filled with God. We talked about how people couldn't even get near to the house because of the power of God that was so evident and in great demonstration in that place. We talked about how they came in, they got saved, they got spirit-filled, they got healed, they got delivered and set free and sent out the other door rejoicing because of the, of the joy that was in their hearts, because of the reality that they had with God. But what we did not discuss, what we did not talk about, was what promoted that great move. What promoted that great working of God's almighty power. We talked somewhat about Brother Daddy Seymour. But we didn't talk about the depth of his desire. For two and one half years. See, God was preparing not only his heart, but the hearts of Christians everywhere. That's one area that the revival broke out. But it broke out other areas. In other areas. He so longed for God to move. He so longed after reality with God and the righteousness of God to prevail in every area of life and of ministry as he ministered the Word of God that he spent two and a half years, five hours a day daily praying for God's revival upon planet Earth. And when he finally did make his way to Los Angeles, and you know the, the, the conflict that he had there, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, pray more. He moved it up to seven hours a day, and for one and a half years, he prayed seven hours a day for revival to, to take place, to come upon planet Earth, and to move, for God to move in great demonstrations of His power and might. As a result, not only of His praying, but as a result of the heart Hunger, the, eagerly, the eager yearning of the heart, the hunger and the thirst that the people of God had at that hour in time, God responded to their heart's cry, to the call, and He began to move and demonstrate Himself powerful among the people. At the same time, in 1905, 1906, at the same time that they were praying there, God moved upon the hearts of the people by His Spirit, in the Christians in Sweden, in such a powerful way that the people of God gathered together in groups, prayer groups throughout all the land, praying for God to move in a mighty revival among His people. Nothing to do with the Azusa Street Revival, but the same years, 1905-1906. And people of God, they were not disappointed, for they longed for it, for they yearned after it. Their, their desire was not satisfied and would not be satisfied until it was satisfied in God. 
the God that they saw in the Bible was the God of, of the book of Acts, the God of power and might, the God of, of salvation, deliverance, healing, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, gifts of, of the Spirit and tongues. It was the same God that they did not see being represented within the local churches throughout the lands. They saw a church of religious form denying the power of God. And they were not satisfied with what they saw, with what they experienced in God. And so they moved and set themselves apart and they began to pray and pray and seek God for a mighty outpouring. You know, beloved, there are minds of those who will never be changed unless God begins to, to do demonstrations of His power and might. There are those who would never have been saved unless Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And still some didn't believe. But God was wanting to do the same thing as He does right now, even back then. As He began to move in a mighty way in response to their heart's cry and call, and He began to demonstrate Himself in such power and might, that even those who were most adamant against the gifts of the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, found themselves prostrate on the platform in their denominational church with the power of God on them, speaking with other tongues and the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. You couldn't hold back God, people. You couldn't stop Him from flowing. You couldn't stop Him from moving. You couldn't stop Him from manifesting Himself. Why? Because these people would not be satisfied with anything less. That was the degree of their desire toward God. And beloved, when God heard their hearts cry, His desires became a part of their desires and they, they came together and there was a revival that broke out throughout all the lands. One lady in another area, in another country, she, she said, I sought the Lord. I was moved on by God. I sought the Lord for more power to heal the sick. Now, notice this. This is a denominational person who didn't believe in tongues or the gifts of the Spirit or the power of God manifestation in that way. She said, I got before God and I began to pray. I longed. I had a yearning in my heart. Now, notice this. When people's hearts are right toward God, even if their doctrine is wrong, God will move and straighten out their doctrine. They, she cried out. She says, I want more power of God. Now, notice this. To cast out devils and to heal the sick. Isn't it amazing that God moved upon her and the thing that kept being witness of her spirit was the Holy Ghost and tongues. And she stopped right there and she said, No, Lord, I don't want the tongues. No, I don't want the tongues. But the, but the power of God was in such mighty demonstration. And the yearning of her heart, the crying of her heart was so profound toward God that the more the Spirit of God, just like a gentleman said, the Holy Ghost and tongues... She finally just gave up and said, Yeah, Lord, if it means the Holy Ghost and tongues, then give me the tongues. And the power of God fell upon her. She found herself on the floor, praising God in an unknown language, worshiping Him in tongues. And when she came up, she had a boldness of God inside her spirit that enabled her to cast out devils and to heal the sick in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, like she never experienced before. You can't take one away from the other people of God. God is not divided. God will never be divided if we we want God to move. We want the Holy Ghost. We want the power. We want the tongues. We want the devils cast out. We want bodies healed, minds delivered and set free. We want all that God has. And that's what God was doing by His Spirit. They yearned for it. They longed for it. And God responded to their heart's cry. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalms 63. 63rd Psalm.
And make note of this if you're taking notes. God's purposes come to pass when the supreme desire of the heart When the supreme, not the first, not, uh, not the second, not the third, not the tenth. But when the supreme desire of the heart is to experience reality with God. And when all the powers and the energies of the spirit, soul, and body reach out to God. God's purposes. Don't forget it. Whether it be for this great revival, whether it be for the need you have in your life, God's purposes, that is His will, come to pass. His purposes come to pass. When the supreme desire of the heart is to experience the reality of God and all the energies and powers of the Spirit reach out to God. You long for it. That's the supreme desire. Not the secondary one, not the third one, not the tenth one. But the supreme desire of the heart is to experience this reality with God. And all the energy and all the power of the spirit, soul, and body reach out to God. Let's read the scripture. Verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. And my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. David found himself in a condition or in a state of being that he did not like. He was being pursued by Saul who wanted to destroy his life. He was apart from the manifest presence of God. He wasn't there where the manifest presence of God was. And he was out there as a fugitive on the run. And he said, O Lord God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul is thirsting after Thee. My flesh is hungering for reality with You. I cannot take it any longer. I cannot wait any longer. I need You. I want You. I desire for You to manifest Yourself in my life. I cannot be without it any longer. My soul is not satisfied. My flesh is not satisfied. My heart hungers after Thee. My soul thirsteth after Thee. Why? To see Your power and to see Your glory. How long can the people of God go on without seeing the power and the glory of God in manifestation, people of God? We can only go through certain dry periods, people of God, then the work of God is in danger of being extinct. Tongues being stuffed out, the, the, the plan of God in healing being misunderstood and not even recognized. And those times of drought came to the body of Christ. How long can the church go on? How long can the people of God survive without experiencing in reality the power and the glory of a living God in their midst? 
It can't go on very long because people like David begin to cry out from within. Crying out from within. This is not what God is all about. It's not about religious tradition and religious form. It's not about this. Glory to God. It's about reality. If I have a need in my life, I need it met. And the God that I serve is the God who is able, capable, and willing of meeting my need. Hallelujah. That's what I long for. That's what I desire after. I serve a living God and I want reality with Him. That's what we're saying here, people of God. It's when the heart yearns and, the, and, and, and longs after this reality with God, we know that these things belong to us. They are ours. They've been provided for us. And if we're not experiencing those things, then it's time to wake up. Hallelujah. It's time to be revived, to be aroused. And begin to cry out to God to see His glory, to see His power in mighty manifestation and demonstration, just as we see here. David did. I'd like to read to you, if I may, I've had the privilege of receiving some of Brother John G. Lake's teachings from our brother Wilford Wright when he was here. He was kind enough to make some copies of some of his sermons that he had preached. And in this one particular sermon, Brother Lake was referring to his own personal testimony when his heart began to become hungry for the power of God to be in demonstration within his life. And I believe as I give this testimony, I want to read it to you. It'll reinforce what is being said and what God has been speaking to our hearts and, and saying to us by His Spirit at this hour. Listen, listen to His testimony before we go any further. I lived in a family where for 32 years they never were without an invalid in the home. Before I was 24 years of age, we had buried four brothers and four sisters and four other members of the family were dying Hopeless, helpless invalids. I set up my own home. I married a beautiful woman. Our first son was born. It was only a short time until I saw that that same devilish train of sickness that had followed father's family had come into mine. My wife became an invalid. My son was a sickly child. Out of it all, one thing developed in my nature. A cry for deliverance. I did not know any more about the subject of healing than an Indian, notwithstanding I was a Methodist evangelist. But my heart was crying for deliverance. My soul had come to the place where I had vomited up dependence on man. My father had spent a fortune on the family to no avail, as if there was no stoppage to the train of hell. And let me tell you, there is no human stoppage because the thing is settled deep in the nature of man, too deep for any material remedy to get at it. It takes the Almighty God and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ to get down into the depth of a man's nature and find the real, real difficulty that is there and destroy it. I finally got to that place where my supreme cry was for deliverance. Tears were shed for deliverance for three years before the healing power of God came to us. I could hear the groans and the cries and the sobs and feel the wretchedness of our family's soul. My heart cried, my soul sobbed, my spirit wept tears. I wanted help. I did not know enough to call directly on God for it. Isn't it a strange thing that men do not have sense enough to have faith in God for all their needs? Do not know enough to call directly on God for physical difficulties as well as spiritual ones. But I did not. But bless God, one thing matured in my heart, a real hunger. And the hunger of a man's soul must be satisfied. It must be satisfied. It is a law of God, that law, and that law of God is in the depth of the Spirit. God will answer the heart that cries. He will answer the soul that asks. 
Christ Jesus comes to us with divine assurance and invites us when we are hungry to pray, to believe, to take from the Lord that which our soul covets and our heart asks for. So one day the Lord of heaven came our way and in a little while the cloud of darkness, that midnight of hell, that curse of death was lifted and the light of God shone into our life and into our home just as... Uh, just the same as it has existed in other men's lives and other men's homes, we learned the truth of Jesus and was able to apply the divine power of God, we were healed of the Lord. He stopped the curse. The train of hell, he called it. Sickness being handed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. From one to another, to the next to the next. And his was included. But people of God, if it meant weeping before God for three years, and He'd be the first to tell you it's not long prayers that gets results. But because, beloved, we war against and wrestle against powers of darkness who relentlessly attack us, endeavoring to prevent God's will from being accomplished within our midst, there are times that our spirit man must make that vital contact with God like Daniel's did and pray until God moves inside of our hearts in a powerful, mighty way, no matter if it's one day, five days, or 21 days, three weeks, whatever it is. And I believe for the most part, a lot of the power of God is at work to do a change within our own individual lives to prepare us. He said, I didn't understand God. I didn't understand the power of God. I believe God was moving upon His own heart to give Him revelation, to give Him truth, to prepare His heart so that He can clearly see what the will of God is and was. And then, when the time came that His heart was opened up fully into God, the power of God came out of heaven like a fire and just ignited inside of His heart and led Him to go and cast out the devil and to, and to break the power of darkness and the curse of disease over the lives of His family members and loved ones until every one of them were every will whole. He went out and responded after raising up one of his sisters from death. When she had died, for the first time, the Lake family sat around the Christmas or Thanksgiving table, one of them, without any sickness or disease in their bodies. In response to what? The heart cry. The cry of the heart. What did he apply himself to? All the energies of his spirit, soul, and body went out before God. He would not be satisfied with anything less than that kind of deliverance. So should it be with us. We know what God has provided for us. We know what our privileges are in Christ. Beloved, it's time to do a self-examination, searching the whole heart. What interferes? What prevents? What stops? What blocks? What hinders God from being so mightily manifested in us and from us revealing God through our lives? Put a stop to it. As we humble ourselves before Him. I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Exodus, chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want to say that there is a certain desperation that accompanies hunger. When people get hungry, they get desperate. Did you know that? When people get hungry, they get desperate. For an example, the dope addict... When he's run out... And he gets hungry. And everything within him cries out and craves a fix. He will not rest. He will not be satisfied until he receives his need met. He becomes desperate. It doesn't matter if he kills, if he steals, if he destroys lives. 
It doesn't matter what he does. If he deceives, if he lies, it doesn't matter what he does. He's desperate. His need must be met, and that is the supreme desire within him. When a person gets hungry and thirsty, he or she becomes desperate like the alcoholic. He'll even hurt, she'll even hurt the ones he or she loves. It doesn't matter. Many will spend the paycheck to satisfy the supreme desire. Why? They're desperate. They have to have what they have to have. And they'll cry out for it and stop short of nothing to get it. What about the gambler? He'll not be satisfied. She'll not be satisfied. That need must be met. It doesn't matter if I spend the mortgage payment. It doesn't matter what if I break up the household. What matters is this supreme desire of the heart must be satisfied at any cost. When a man gets hungry, he becomes desperate. When a person starves, is starving. It doesn't matter if he eats the garbage out of the can or the food off the street. The supreme desire of the heart is to satisfy the hunger that exists. And that person will do anything. It doesn't matter to satisfy that longing desire. In Exodus chapter 2, Verse 23, it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came to God by the reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. You know the story. The children of Israel were complacent. They were satisfied in their compromise in Egypt. It didn't matter to them that they were in bondage to the Egyptian nation as long as the king knew Joseph. It wasn't God's best, but they were satisfied. They were complacent, even though they were in compromise. They knew God had more for them and wanted more for them and wanted them to experience the fullness of His blessings. But you know what? That didn't matter because they were satisfied, complacent even though it meant compromise. But there came the day when the king died who knew Joseph, and another king came into reign who knew not Joseph. And he had an idea. It would be wise that we keep these people in their place. Let's laden them with heavy burdens, lest they try to overpower us by joining our enemies. Let's prevent the birth of their first sons. Let's shut up the wombs of the wives so they don't outnumber us. You know what, people? The people of God found out that they were no longer comfortable in their situation with their compromise. They were no longer satisfied, even though they were there in Egypt. See, as long as things are going well for us in the world, even as Christians, we can become complacent and satisfied. We do our thing and etc. But you know what? 
there's going to come a time of crisis. There will always come a storm, beloved. There's going to come a time of crisis when people need to have reality with God and they didn't have it. Thank God for His mercy. There came a universal cry under the heart of every individual in Israel. I mean, hunger and thirst is a great motivation. I mean, a powerful motivation and a great persuader. They began to have their eyes open. They began to see that, that, that all of what they wanted to have and achieve could not be found in the world. Egypt is a type of the world. It couldn't be found there. No matter how hard they would try, they would not be satisfied to the fullest there. And when the heavy burdens came upon their lives, they began to cry. A heart cry. They began to sigh. A heart sigh. What was the cry for? What was the sighing for? What was the mourning for? What were they reaching out to God for? Listen to it. Deliverance. 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 Freedom. Liberty. Deliverance. Power, healing, victory, deliverance, conquerors. They began to cry out. And when that universal cry of the heart ascended unto God, who had ears to hear, and He saw that their hearts were pure. He saw their motives were pure. He saw their attitudes were pure. He saw their longings and their cryings were pure. Before Him, He began to hear what they had to say. He began to respond in His great power and might. And he moved in, I'm talking about a powerful way, in such a mighty way before them that shook Egypt to its very foundations. And I'm telling you, it absolutely destroyed all the gods in which the Egyptians trusted. And God's people were delivered by the working of God's mighty power such as never had been seen upon the face of the earth before. And beloved, mark it down. It, I thank God it's been stated this way that all those things took place because there are those who are in the world who have ideas that it doesn't matter what God people serve, they'll go to heaven if they're a good person. It doesn't matter what God they serve as long as they serve a God. Well, beloved, you know, you're never going to shake people's thinking unless we begin to show reality with God and demonstrate the power of God. Because every one of those false gods in Egypt represented an image, an idol of worship under the Egyptian people. They had a God to protect them from this, a God to protect them from that, a God to protect them from this, that, and the other thing. And you can read it right on through and you'll find out that a God was designed or designated as an idol to protect them from sickness, from disease, from insects, from pestilence, from, from all this and all that. Well, Israel began to cry out for the mighty God to show Himself strong, to show Himself powerful, to show Himself in, the, in full array, in full glory, in full power. And when God began to move as He did, He defied every one of the gods of the Egyptians, settling the question forever, can a man ever be satisfied in any other god? No, there's no other god. There's none other like unto our god. He destroyed every idol, every false image that was set up as god in Egypt. And when the, with the slaying of the last, the last plague, the, 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 the death of the firstborn people of God, it represented in all of Egypt that all their gods have been defeated and all their gods have departed from them and the only true living God is the God of the Israelites, Jehovah Himself. That's what it represented to all of them. 
And I believe that that's how it's going to be here in the day in which we speak. I believe that God wants to move in such mighty manifestation of His power and might that those who are asleep, that those who don't believe in the full work of the gospel, and that those who are out there in darkness, believing and trusting and relying upon all their false gods that are out there, they're going to see a great light. People of God, they're going to see a great light. They're going to see God move in power and in might, and they will see a great light, and they'll be drawn in to reality with the living God. They'll be drawn in to reality with the living God. When will it happen? It'll happen when God's people begin to seek Him with their whole what? Heart. When God's people begin to worship Him with their whole heart. When the supreme desire of the heart of God's people is to experience their divine potential in manifesting the glory and power of God in reality and the energies of their spirit, soul, and body reach out to a living God and will not stop, will not quit until the revival is on. And all these other gods, all these other things that stand in the way, beloved, will be proven to be but idols of men. Hallelujah. And the biggest one that we contend with and have conflict with, I don't know whether you realize this or not, you know what it is? Religion. Ruling religious spirits. There must come a heart hunger and cry from the spirit of God's children to pull down these strongholds that come against the people of God. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.